Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, I want to welcome you to our home sermon series here at City Church. And for those of you who have been with us, you know that this is the third sermon in the sermon series entitled Home. The first sermon that I preached really focused on the theme of home throughout the scripture, beginning in the book of Genesis, and then ending up in the Newer Testament where we discovered that God had a home in the Older Testament. It was the temple in which his manifest presence dwelt, and it was from the temple that the reality of God was spreading out through the known world. And then we learned in that sermon that you and I, as we are followers of Jesus, we become temples of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit dwells within us. The second sermon last Sunday was preached by my son Peter and where his sermon focused on the longing for home. But we have a stated purpose for this sermon series and it is this. During the instability, the uncertainty, the stress and concern of the COVID-19 crisis, you will find through a biblical approach to home, your soul is nurtured, your faith is strengthened so that you can live life well. Well, today's sermon is kind of the first of two parts where I want to look at home in the scriptures, where the scripture declares that collectively we are a spiritual home for God. We call it the church. Now, full admission, I had said that I had asked you to read Psalm 80 today. Some of you remembered to read it. Some of you heard me say it but forgot. But either way, please understand that we're probably going to be dealing with Psalm 80 in the second half of this topic where God is building us into a spiritual home, the church. I actually shifted gears a little bit. And one of the primary reasons for this is is that I believe God brought to me a couple at City Church. She just happens to be a board member. Her and her husband came to me to talk to me about the topic that I'm going to be dress, addressing this morning with the idea of God building us into a spiritual house. I'm so grateful that they came to me and they influenced me greatly about how I am approaching this sermon. What you will discover as you look at the idea of home in the Newer Testament, that the Apostle Peter takes the metaphor of a home and he applies it to the church. He does it the following way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, where the heading declares living stones. Here's what the Apostle Peter tells us. He says, as you come to him, meaning Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. After that word house in all of our Bibles, there's a little footnote with the letter A. And if you look to the bottom of the page, that passage could be translated the following way. You like living stones are being built into a temple of the spirit to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The idea that Peter is bringing to us is that God desires 
to take every single person that has said yes to Jesus and to begin to bring them together to develop and to build a spiritual house using each individual living stone so that his manifest presence and who he is would be shown in the communities where we live. Now that may mean that you're watching this sermon and you're just now beginning to follow Jesus and you're watching this sermon with a small group of people, just maybe a mere handful. God wants to take you as a living stone and knit you together with those other people and through the Holy Spirit, build a temple between all of you through which who he is could be made known in the community where you live. But what I know is some of you would say, There's no possible way God could do that with me. I could see how he could do it with other people that you're now kind of beginning to check out faith with. But I promise you, God desires to use every single one of us as living stones where he builds a temple for the spirit through which the manifest presence of God will be made known in the community where you live. Maybe you could look at it this way and it would be helpful. I have a home. The home that I'm part of involves five people. There's myself, my wife Franny, and our three children, all of whom are over 20 years of age. What I can tell you is, even though all three of them were out of the house until the COVID crisis hit, all three of them were out of the house. When I think about house or home, all five of us are constantly on my mind. Now, I'm not a helicopter parent. I don't function that way. But when I think about house or home, all of those people, all five of us, are always on my mind and heart. It began when they were just tiny. If we were going somewhere and one of them suddenly wasn't part of that count, you intuitively know it. It's still that way. But that's how God is with us. His house that he's building wherever you live is to be built with spiritual stones and God desires that you would be one of those and that as you're knit together by the Spirit of God with these other people, you will literally become collectively a temple for God's Spirit. Now what's fascinating in the scriptures though is Peter, when he looks at the church, uses the metaphor of the temple of the Spirit. But the Apostle Paul chooses the metaphor of the body. And when the Apostle Paul looks at the body, he thinks of the eyes, ears, hands, feet, where it's all being knit together and it's going to be used by God. But here's what I want you to hear Paul saying in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. As he looks at what Peter calls the temple, the Apostle Paul sees a body. Here's what he says about the body. Romans 12, again, 9 through 16. Love must be sincere. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Listen to that. If that text isn't for the COVID-19 crisis and for our church, I don't know what is. Reading on, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And then here's the text. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn and live in harmony with one another. When we think about love in action, Romans 12, 15 is God's building us in to this living house in which his spirit will dwell. It becomes so obvious that God's calling us to be a group of people who rejoice with those who rejoice 
and you mourn with those who mourn. What that means is this. As God's building his house with us as living stones, we don't just celebrate with someone who wins a trophy. We also mourn with them if they're cut from the team. We find unity in our joys and in our sorrows. We find unity in birth, but we also keep unity in death. We have full life participation. But here's what I know, is that naturally, all of us tend to move away from sorrow and grief and suffering. We do that naturally. And as a matter of fact, I would say pretty emphatically as a pastor, that I believe that our culture is slowly losing a sense of how to suffer. I'm not saying that we're to run headlong into a thorn bush. I am not saying do not take pain meds or to avoid medication. But it is not wise to expect an anesthetic for every kind of suffering. The Bible teaches us that there are many kinds of suffering and that suffering and trials are a part of life. C.S. Lewis put this so well in his book, The Problem of Pain. He writes, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God shouts in our pain. So let me put it this way. If there is not an anesthetic for every suffering, especially with regards to the soul, do we then have to have amnesia when we enter into God's presence with our suffering? How do we handle suffering? What does suffering look like for you and I as we follow Jesus and we are these living stones that God's building into a spiritual temple and in that we are called to suffer and to mourn, I should say to mourn with those who mourn. Well, Jesus is our model. Jesus shows us clearly in his deepest, darkest hour of his deepest suffering. He cries out in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus isn't just blurting out anything. He's actually quoting a psalm of lament. Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. Here's the psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You see, Jesus is our example. In the midst of his suffering, he reaches into the book of Psalms and he pulls out what's called a psalm of lament. By the way, Psalm chapter 80 is a psalm of lament. Biblical scholars like Walter Brueggemann teach us that there are two types of psalms. There's a psalm of praise and there's a psalm of lament. And both of them are authentic ways of coming to God. It's also the case that the Bible Project, and I encourage you to watch it, the Bible Project has an excellent video on the Psalms and speaks as well that there are two types of Psalms, Psalms of praise and Psalms of lament. So what is lament? Lament is when you grieve and you mourn. 
And as we're being knit into a spiritual house with living stones, we are called to mourn with each other, not to ignore it. But psalms of lament are psalms where the person is honest with God about their struggles. They come to God honestly in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their suffering. Well, normally now in the sermon that I preach, we would move towards what's called putting feet to your faith. It's always practical. The goal is for all of us to have some example, some way of understanding what we're talking about. And yet when it comes to the psalm of lament and to mourning and to grieving and to following the example of Jesus, I've asked that Eric and Robin Hoyle would join me up here on stage. They're going to share with us their God story about how God taught them about lament and how God put this tool in their spiritual bag so that they would be able to walk with him in authenticity, even in the midst of their grief and in their suffering. So Eric and Robin are going to join me now. So Eric and Robin, want to welcome you. Good morning. To this sermon. Good morning. And... Um, in the midst of this, I think it would be helpful for people to know just a little bit about you, like who you are and how you came to City Church. So Eric, if you'll go first and kind of share that. Yeah, so I went to Virginia Tech for college and I got involved with Chi Alpha there. And I came here to do the internship. I love Charlottesville and I stayed. And you stayed. So Robin, how about you? Yep, I came here. I actually was a UVA student. I was involved with Chi Alpha. Eric was an intern. I met him. The rest is history. And the rest is history. <laughs> and so now what we know is you've got how many children? Three. Three. And so, Eric, what do you do? What keeps you busy during the day? Uh, so I'm a stay-at-home dad. Yep. Uh, so I watch them. It's exhausting, but really fun. <laughs> really fun. And Robin, what keeps you busy during the day? I work for a digital marketing agency on the downtown mall, and I've been there for almost eight years. About eight years. So Robin, also share what you do here at City Church. Uh, so I have had the pleasure of serving on the board with Pete for, I guess, going on five, six years. Yep. Yeah. And so you represent the millennial generation for us in our church. So with that said, though, um, you were the ones that came to me about lament. And you came for a specific reason about some of the things God had been doing in your lives concerning this. And so I'd like for you to share a little bit about how you became aware of this and then what God's been doing in and through your hearts and lives. So if you want to kind of jump in as to how you sort of became familiar with this spiritual reality. Yeah, so uh, as I said, I went to Virginia Tech and my senior year was the year of the shooting there. Okay. Um, and it didn't affect me personally, like I didn't know any of the people, I wasn't close to any of them, um, but the Chi Alpha Fellowship that I was a part of there, some of the students knew like a whole class of them, wow. just tons of them, and sure. so it was devastating for them, and in that and processing through that, uh, one of the things that really helped people to heal uh, was the song Blessed Be Your Name, when it talks about the pain ah, and the offering. Right, right. It, that moment when we were singing it, just God moved and just healed people's hearts. Sure. Uh, and so that was, for me, the beginning of, I would say, expressing to God not just the good things, but also our pain. Okay. Um, and then last January, uh, our son Logan January was born. January of 2019. Yeah, sorry. Not okay. three months ago. I understand, yes. Um, 
and at a month old, he uh, got sick. We took him to UVA, uh, and then we, we were there with him for a month. Uh, he got group B strep and had meningitis. Um, it resulted in some pretty serious brain damage. Uh, I remember in the moment uh, while we were there when things were at their worst, and he was essentially in a medically induced coma, mm-hmm. He, we would walk around the hospital and we would just pray that God would let him live. Yeah. Because that was as much faith as we could muster at sure. the time. Sure, yeah. Robin, what kind of struck you during that time? I mean, you go from the joy of a baby being born, right? And then in very short order, and I know pastorally, I remember this season well, but kind of tell us a little bit about how that hit you. Yeah, so it was my worst fear in that season realized. And uh, just to do something with our time waiting in the hospital, we listened to a book that actually one of our nurses recommended, which was Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. And we just listened to that while we waited in the hospital room. And that was really formative for us in thinking about suffering in a new light. I don't think either of us imagined that following God would mean that we wouldn't walk through suffering, but that it hadn't reached that level of dependence before that time. Sure. Yeah. So you're, you're hit with this incredible news that no parent would ever sign up for. And I can remember when the medical stuff started to roll out and then you found out about Logan, about some of his disabilities and that kind of came at you guys. Talk a little bit about how you were absorbing that with faith. What did that look like for you in the midst of that process? Um, So thinking about how this ties back into the idea of lament, we were really processing how, how to be transparent with God, how to be honest in the immense pain at the time that we were going through and um, not really feeling at that point in time, like even some of the people that had been reaching out to us or supporting us um, or people from even from our church that had reached out to um, offer support, thinking about like what is what is our hope in like the the message of hope of is that in his healing? Is that, that has to be something deeper in terms of where our hope is than right. just a circumstance that's temporal. And so that I think caused me to kind of dig into God, what, what is hope actually? Uh, interesting, right, yeah. right, yeah. And you know, I remember clearly we're all praying for healing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love how you just put that, that you can't have your hope resting in if he doesn't heal, then what, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so in the midst of that, Eric, talk a little bit about how I remember the many, at the beginning people are praying for healing. And then I clearly remember the time both of you verbalized that, you know, if God doesn't do that, then this is kind of the direction we feel called in. Yeah. So while Logan was still in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, we were praying a lot, hoping yeah. for healing. Yeah. Um, and I felt pretty clearly in my time with God that he told us it was going to be a journey uh, and that it was starting, not near done, mm-hmm. uh, to get ready for it to be a long journey. Okay. Um, and that 
was hard, but I think comforting to know, like to know where you're going. Right. Um, but the idea that Logan would have to essentially suffer his whole life for, for an extended period. Right. Well, that was a hard pill to swallow. Okay. Um, and I remember in the hospital just really just reading Psalms because I didn't really want instruction right. <laughs> from God yeah, at the yeah. time. No, that's understandable. Um, but sure. I just needed to process what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that giving me a language to actually process through those emotions. Okay. So, Robin, you guys get to the point where you're reading the Psalms, right? And in the midst of that, can you talk a little bit about how this idea of lament really kind of grew and it participates with the Psalms? But how did this sort of grow in your faith world? So, and we've, I think we talked about this a little bit through the Easter season as well, but I think when we talked about Jesus quoting the Psalms on the cross, but right. that um, in John eleven thirty five, 35, the story of Lazarus, when Jesus, w- the, the verse that he wept, um, and the idea that he came to Bethany to raise Lazarus, and when he beheld Mary weeping, and this community in grief, it says that his, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, mm-hmm. and that he wept, and that to me... I think just helped me understand like the God of creation, even though Jesus knew that he was going to heal Lazarus and all he really had to do was bring Mary to the grave, raise Lazarus. And, sure. And say, That's a great point. Yeah. And say, you know, Mary, you have little faith. Like, why didn't you trust? Like, but that right. isn't how he behaved and that he was with her in her suffering and that he, he came alongside her and that was what he chose to do. And that was what he modeled. Like he didn't fix the problem immediately that he kind of, I think gave us um, this view of God as lamenting with compassion for the suffering of his people. Right. Okay. So Eric, I know that when we've met and talked several times just about a a lament and how you've impressed on, impressed on me as a pastor, that this needs to be something that we think about and it's a spiritual tool that we can utilize in the midst of suffering and struggles in our lives. Um, Can you share a little bit just practically about how lament has gone for you? What does that look like in your life as you look at Logan, the journey that you are on as parents? How does lament function for you? What does that look like practically? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me, um, the lament psalms and music that reflects those, has helped me to process my emotions about what's going on before God. Mm-hmm. So to come to him with those and be honest with him about where I'm at and then let them move me past that emotion sure. towards the hope that God has for me. Okay. Where you had asked me in one of our discussions about where is my joy in the Lord. Correct, yeah. And for me, it's after expressing how I felt to him, moving into that hope, that's where the joy is found. Gotcha. Because he will restore us. And that is our fundamental reality, even if we're not living it right now. One of the things I think we're going to do as well is you have presented me with some worship songs that have helped with lament. And I'm going to make sure that those are in the sermon notes so that people can get those. And because I believe that we have people 
that are grieving now. They're grieving because of COVID-19. They're lamenting the loss of things. They're really struggling in the midst of their lives. And so Robin, how about you? How has this sort of lament landed with you in the midst of this? What does it kind of look like practically for you individually? And then maybe together even as a couple, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing lament as almost a, a discipline in this idea that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And even in our, our own life, the waves of grief that come, you know, it, in uh, this particular season of COVID or even with Logan, there are times, obviously you're not in the trenches all the time, but right. things hit you and strike you of, oh my gosh, like I am so... God, like, this is not how it should be. Yes. And Lord, this is not what you designed. Like, this is this is broken. We need you. We're not able to fix this on our own. Um, and so I think it's been a good tool, too, when we've come across those instances where we have that language, a song that we can go to that acknowledges that first and foremost of like, God, this isn't like, we need you to fix this. We need you to fix this and we need you to fix it because you are God and because you are in control and because of sure. like, then it becomes a praise. Um, but that it, it is a discipline too, because it's a way to share God's heart and acknowledge that that reality, that this is not, this world is not our home. Right. It's not all there is. And it's, I think, focus that for us very, very much. Yeah. So Eric, I, I remember clearly when we were speaking about this, that you mentioned about the return of Christ and how the, the end of the scriptures teach us that God's going to make everything that's wrong, right. And that's really what the return of Christ is about. It's about him bringing heaven to earth, new heaven, new earth. And you said something very striking. You said that that intellectually had been a part of your life until now, and now it's like this real thing for you. I'd love for you to talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, so I would say like, yeah, I understood intellectually, like obviously we want Jesus to come, like that will be good. Yes. Um, and I remember interacting with people who were like, I can't wait for that to happen. Right. And just emotionally not understanding. Like, right, right, right. Like I... No, it will be good, but I am not like, come on, God, any day, come on. Yeah. But having walked through this and having suffered in the way that we did and... And still are. And are, and yeah. having seen the suffering of the world in a new light. Sure. And to see how Logan suffers mm -hmm. has driven my hope deep into Christ coming home and me asking him to come back every day and wow. meaning it, not just like, Hey, this, I'm supposed to ask your kingdom come. Right. Right. But really craving for his kingdom to come for him to restore things, to restore my son. Yeah. Because that is our hope that he will fix the broken things and that sure. there will be no more tears. And I get why we need that now. Right. And I, I think in America we can, often miss that. Like things can be so smooth. I remember our family, one of them saying that the thing that happened to Logan's the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone wow. that they know. And wow. Wow. I think that is only true in this time in history. 
oh, I in see. the country yeah, that we live well in. Yes. But for the rest of history, that has not been reality. And, and a huge chunk of the world in which we live today as well, right? Yeah. So, Robin, could you share maybe one last thought when you think about lament, the context that you're living in, and how God's met you? Is there one thing that you would say um, to a person who, when they hear the story of your home, what would you say to them? What's one thing that comes to mind? Uh I think it's hard to not see it in the lens of right now and thinking about what this has meant for us in a way to become closer to God through suffering and knowing the immense suffering that certain people are going through right now, Mm -hmm. that wherever you are on the spectrum of suffering, whether you've just had uh, the kind of downer of having to cancel a a vacation or something, or if it's more of a... I'm thinking about fourth years that have no closure on graduation right. and high school seniors that, that don't never get, celebrated. Yeah. And, yeah, and sure. people who have had to cancel their weddings. And as we've mm-hmm. talked about, you know, having these momentous life milestones of either births or deaths that are having to be celebrated in a different way yes, and how right. immensely sad that is. And just that we have an opportunity as a community to be present with one another in that suffering, that it's not a matter of fixing it. It's just a matter of being present with people in that. Sure. Okay. Well, look, I appreciate you guys sharing your story. I know that this isn't easy for you to do, but I really believe that as we prayed and we trusted God that your story would have a huge impact on people's lives. And I can't think of a better way to talk about feet to your faith than having you share your story. So I really appreciate the time that you've given to us. And so thank you, Eric. Is there any last thing that you would like to say? Uh, I think just that God's big enough. Um, He's big enough take your emotions uh, and he loves you enough to do it. That's what he wants. He wants the real you. He doesn't want you to put on a show for him. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much for coming and sharing. Thanks, Pete. And um, I know that for many of us who maybe have been listening to this sermon and listening to the idea of lament, I, I feel as though in conclusion for this sermon and I would like for us, no matter where you're at, whether you're in a dorm room, your apartment, or your home, I would like for us to take a moment and think about an episode from your life that you never brought to God. Because in the midst of it, there was disappointment, there was grief, there was sorrow. And I'd like all of us to take a moment, think about that event, and now put feet to our faith. To where maybe it's something from the COVID-19 crisis, Maybe it's something from your past, your history, where you, you never wanted to bring it to God because you felt like God wouldn't want to hear your sorrow, your heaviness, or your grief. And so I want to encourage all of us right now to think of that event. Let the Holy Spirit bring that to mind. And as the Holy Spirit does that, I'd like for us to take this moment to close ourselves in with God in prayer. And whether you pray out loud or to yourself, that you would right now in prayer, bring that to God. And I'm gonna pray in a moment, but I'm gonna leave a moment of silence now for all of us to do that together. So again, wherever you're at, take a moment, 
The Holy Spirit's brought some episode to mind, and I'd like you to bring that to God, but as you do, please be honest with God about the struggle in your soul, the suffering that you've experienced, and the pain and the sorrow of that. So let's do that for a moment. I'm gonna kinda go silent and then close us with prayer. Let's do that together. God, now we bring to you with all sincerity and honesty of heart and of soul and of mind, we bring to you the struggles of our lives. God, whatever that episode is, we now bring it to you. And having brought it to you, we trust that you would invest your presence in the midst of it. God, we don't always understand how you take sorrow and you turn it to joy. But we do know that the scripture promises that you will take suffering and somehow, some way, through your grace, your love, and your mercy, and through the resurrection of Jesus, that the suffering and the struggles of our lives, somehow, some way, that in now or way off in the eternal future, you take those and you turn them for good. Lord, thank you for the scriptures that have taught us. Thank you for Jesus that has been our model of what it looks like to lament. And thank you for Robin and Eric and the story that they shared. God, brand this into our hearts. Help us to have these tools in our bags so that during the COVID-19 crisis and for the rest of our lives, that we would be able to come to you in lament and find the God that desires to meet us there. And we believe for this and we pray for it now. In Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.